featuring the creator and lead host of Clutch Crew Sports, Zach. Unfortunately, uh, Eric is an Oklahoma City Thunder fan, and uh, he went through a pretty rough postseason watching uh, my Portland Trailblazers pretty well dismantle his team, so... Dang, okay. um, I did, did not realize we were going to go into that. <laughs> you sure you didn't lose your train of thought by looking at this picture here? <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Zach really likes Alex Morgan. Featuring Nate, NFL and college football co-host. I don't think Indian is very good, just being straight up, so... I think it's <laughs> pretty fair. Spread, Indiana's getting spread triggered cover. right now. You just triggered the whole state. And I forgot to change on here. Oh, okay. But <laughs> this year, I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to defend oh, okay. it. <laughs> oh, okay. I think... I do think Denver's a very average team. I'm going to stick with my open pick. All right, guys. Today, we're going to have a fun uh, list of topics planned to talk about. And we finally are moving on from just talking about the NFL in our topics episode. So while we do have an NFL subject, uh, we've got a college football subject, and we've also got a college basketball subject. So this is going to be the first time in a long time that we've talked about college basketball. I think really the only time we ever talked about college basketball was way back in June about Kerry Blackshear's graduate transfer decision we kept like every episode we kept coming on with some new rumors and new updates about Kerry Blackshear but today we're going to talk about college basketball and a little bit of a preview for the season because obviously it kicks off uh, on the day that we're recording this on November the 5th but we're going to talk about some stories that we're going to be following this season I'm going to give some predictions some of my thoughts and then some of the conference winners and uh, just some general takeaways from what we should expect from college basketball. And then the other topic I've got planned is how far can San Francisco go? So San Francisco, obviously they're the only undefeated team right now, but how high is their ceiling? Are they going to win the NFC? Are they going to win the Super Bowl? Are they going to go out in the first round of playoffs? What's going to be San Francisco's limit? And then Nate is going to be talking about Willie Taggart's firing. Just happened this past weekend. And who is going to be FSU's next head coach? And the whole dilemma that's going on with that right now. And we do want to give an update to the Subvember count. So as of right now, Eric is still in the lead for Subvember with five. And nobody else has any yet, so we're, we're early in the month, only five days here, but Eric does have the lead. He's been averaging one subscriber a day. That's pretty good, but uh, I, I still think I can end up catching him, so I'm going to be working hard on that. I know Nate is too as well, so we both want to win that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so I do want to credit this first topic here. Uh, how far can San Francisco go to my friend Alexa, who's actually a 49ers fan. So she wanted to hear something about the 49ers. So that's what gave me this idea for this topic. So we do this a lot. Uh, the last episode we had Jackson uh, talk of, want us to talk about Carolina and Cam Newton versus Kyle Allen. So 
if you ever want to message us about a topic idea, feel free to do so. We would love to. We love interacting with you guys. And uh, yeah, so let's get started here with San Francisco. So I don't know about you guys, but I'll just cut to the chase here. If I had to pick a Super Bowl winner right now, I would pick San Francisco. Uh, I think they're the most complete team right now in the NFL. And the reason I think that is because they have, I think, probably the best defense in the NFL right now. As you can see up there in the top left, their D-line. I mean, top right is their defensive line. And they've spent so many first-round picks on this defensive line. <laughs> like, I just, every year San Francisco is drafting a defensive lineman. I was like, dang, they're just, like, stacking up with that position. But now we're finally seeing the benefits of having a great defensive line. And they play as, they play really well as a unit. Up at the top left there is their fiery defensive coordinator. <laughs> He's all, They always show him <laughs> on the sidelines as, like, what? Like, as you see right there in that picture, just really amped up and wanting to cheer his team on, really energetic. And he was actually a member of the Jaguars coaching staff, too. It was interesting. I didn't know about that, but it's too bad they couldn't keep him in-house. But <laughs> So when you look at the 49ers, you want to look at the teams that they're going to be having to beat on their way to go to a Super Bowl. I think it's safe to say that they've locked up a playoff spot now. I mean, it would take a massive collapse for them not to make the playoffs at this point, and they're probably going to have home field advantage uh, either throughout the the NFC playoffs or at least until the NFC championship game because I find it hard that they're not going to make a first-round buy with the way that their record is. Um, but the teams that they're the toughest teams, I think they're going to have to go up against are going to be new Orleans coming out of the NFC South, uh, out of the NFC North, probably green Bay, Minnesota. I'd also put up there (laughs) NFC East Philly and Dallas. Probably. I mean, might make the playoffs. Both of them might make the playoffs, but I've, I have a hard feeling of that. Actually. I don't think so. And then in the NFC West, their own division, Seattle and the LA Rams. But if I had to just like pick the NFC playoffs right now, I would put San Francisco one, New Orleans two, uh, Green Bay three, and then Dallas four. And then the playoff teams, I would put Seattle at five, Minnesota at six. Yeah, so the playoff teams that are going to have to go up against are going to be Green Bay really in New Orleans. And I just don't think New Orleans is going to get over that, you know, bump in the playoffs. Like it just seems like in the playoffs, New Orleans, they are favored to win and something goes wrong for them. Like in Minnesota, they had that Minnesota miracle, the refs and the LA Rams game. I just think something's going to go wrong for New Orleans. I don't think, they have as good of a team as San Francisco does. And Green Bay, I think, is a really troubled team. Uh, I'm not a, I don't think Aaron Rodgers has been playing as great as people think he has this year. And we still don't know about that defense. They've been playing good, but obviously their defense isn't as good as San Francisco's defense. And I do think San Francisco's got a better running game. And 
I actually do expect Jimmy G to be a reliable quarterback in the playoffs. And another thing about Jimmy G, too, is, I mean, he's got a great winning percentage uh, as a starting quarterback. I know it's not, like, all due to him, but still, he's he's rarely lost games. Um, It's just interesting that he's lost so few games up to this point in his career. And he's not really talked about as an elite quarterback. Uh, he doesn't have a great statistical season so far because really it's just been the defense and the running game. But you saw last week against Arizona where they needed Jimmy G to win the game. And I think tied to Jimmy G is their head coach, Kyle Shanahan, here. Uh, I would actually say Kyle Shanahan is probably the best offensive-minded coach in the league. I I think he's better than uh, Sean McVay is. Even though they're both, you know, young and Sean McVay's gone to a Super Bowl, I I just think that Kyle Shanahan has a better background of coaching, and I think he's doing more with less with this San Francisco team. So it's taken him a couple of years to get to this, to this point. They had a little bit of a rebuild the past couple seasons, but it's all showing off now. And that's the thing with rebuilds sometimes. some It's not always where you gradually increase your wins from year to year. Sometimes you just have a breakout year, and that's what they're having this year. So combined with that great defense that I think is real, I, I don't think the defense is fake. And combined with the great offensive mind of Kyle Shanahan, I think this team has the potential to do a lot. I I just don't see a team that can beat them right now. I think having a home field advantage in the playoffs is going to be a huge thing for them. Usually in the playoffs, it usually ends up being either the one seed or the two seed to go on in the Super Bowl. It's it's hard to it's hard to win the wild card weekend and the divisional weekend and the conference championship weekend. And then if you do all that stuff, get to the Super Bowl and win is hard to do. So. I, I think they're set up good to get that by. I think they're good to have home field advantage. And I I just think they've proven to me a lot this season. I think more than Green Bay has even. I didn't have high expectations for Green Bay, but I still just don't fully trust Green Bay. And Aaron Rodgers doesn't he's just not the kind of quarterback that tends to lead his team out of the NFC. I mean, how many times have they lost in the NFC championship game? Like so many times they've, they've lost in the playoffs and Dallas, I think isn't talented enough. I think Dallas is really benefiting from a weak division in the NFC East. I think, you know, they've had an easy schedule at this point. They haven't beaten good teams and they lost the jets, which is looking worse and worse as each week goes on. Uh, (laughs) Um, And New Orleans is going to be the toughest test, I believe, but it's really going to be a benefit for San Francisco to not have to play New Orleans. I mean, we obviously don't know that this is a fact yet, but that's I'm just going under that assumption. So New Orleans on the road is going to be a much easier game, I think, for San Francisco to win. And I, I, I really do think this defense is going to be able to get after Drew Brees. And I don't know. I just don't see Drew Brees pulling out a... Super Bowl run this season. I with his thumb injury and all. I mean, I know he looked good last week, but I 
unless something major happens to San Francisco, I'm going to have to say that they're going to win the NFC and probably win the Super Bowl, honestly. Well, I'm not... I'm not as confident in that regard, uh, but I dev- I'm more confident that they're going to win the NFC. So, uh, Lexa, you're listening to this. You probably like what I have to say. So, uh, But I'm, I'm not just saying this to make you happy. This is what I truly think right now. But, Nate, I want to see if you are along the same lines as me or you think that they could be just overrated. Um, I'm... I kind of think along the same lines as you here. I definitely don't think they're overrated. They've been getting a lot of hype like as a undefeated team, but I think to this point in the season, to still be undefeated kind of says a lot. Uh, it's not like week five anymore. You know, a lot of teams make it a week five undefeated and then, you know, don't really accomplish anything in the postseason. But I think this 49ers roster is pretty solid from top to bottom. Uh, especially that D line they got with like Nick Bosa and all those guys have been like kind of stepping up there. Um, I, I just think they're not super flashy. I feel like, um, like what you were saying about Jimmy Garoppolo, like he hasn't been putting up like huge numbers, like um, you know Russell Wilson has or um, Deshaun Watts or anything like that. But he's been definitely doing enough to help them win. And I mean, there's a reason that he's only lost a couple of games as an NFL starter. Like, he does enough to, you know, help the team kind of move the ball well enough and get down where they got to get done. So I think him plus uh, Kyle Shanahan um, running the show on the offense and then um, the addition of Emmanuel Sanders kind of pushes this team on I think they're definitely in contender territory. Um I think looking at the NFC right now, I kind of agree. I don't really know who is that big of a threat to them, except maybe, honestly, the Seahawks, I think right now are kind of dangerous, just the way that Russell Wilson's been playing. It was kind of been, um, honestly, like pretty insane lately. You know, some of those five touchdowns on Sunday, like um, the Seahawks top to bottom aren't, I don't think a championship caliber roster, but I think, you know, you give them one game versus the 49ers late in uh, December, the playoffs. They happen to get matched up there. They could um, potentially do some damage. But other than that, I, mean, I guess the Saints get Drew Brees back, so we'll see how they look. Um, they'll probably take a step forward. That's really who I would say is a, is a challenge to them out of the NFC right now. Other than that, I, I can't think of anyone else that really scares me too much either. I mean, the Packers have been great, but you saw like how low they can go. Um, in that game Sunday versus the Chargers, um, their floor is super low, and um, I think the Niners are very capable of playing a similar type of game against them uh, in terms of like you know defense, stopping Aaron Rodgers and all that. So yeah, kind of short answer. Like I'm, I'm pretty much the same thinking as you. I think they could, they definitely got what it takes to get to the Super Bowl um, out of the NFC, winning it. Um, I think it's definitely possible. Probably gonna um, play maybe the Patriots or um, I, mean, I think they're probably a clear front runner from the AFC. Maybe you know the Ravens, something like that. We'll give them the challenge, but um, yeah, I think they're definitely a contender. Definitely not, definitely not overrated. I would say. Okay. 
All right, so we'll move on now to our next topic about Florida State, and I'll let Nate take the lead on this one. Yeah, this is kind of a um, situation we've been watching really all year of college football. What would um, Florida State do um, after kind of the really bad season they had last year, which um, kind of obviously we all know how that turned out. Uh, this weekend, or this Sunday, actually, FSU fired Willie Taggart after one and about three-quarter seasons as the head coach of FSU. Um, finished with a 9-12 and 12 record, which kind of a small sample size, only two seasons, but obviously that's pretty bad, um, especially for a big-time program like FSU. Um, everyone kind of expected his first year to be bad, just with the way that Jimbo Fisher left the program. Um, kind of left it in shambles. So a bad season last year was, you know, not what people were looking for, but it wasn't necessarily, you know, fireworthy um, just because the program was in such a bad state then. But coming in this year and not really making any steps forward, not really winning any of the games that FSU would be expected to win, it's kind of what did Willie Taggart in. I got a couple stats this show kind of um, – the mess of this program is in right now, which is really what I'm here to talk about. I mean, we kind of know, kind of known Willie Tiger's been on the hot season most of this, or the hot seat most of this season. So him being fired wasn't too much of a surprise, but kind of what I want to talk about is more so uh, how did FSU football get to this low point and where uh, do I think they should go from here? So kind of to start out with, this program to me is, really in a, in a bad spot. Um, it's kind of shocking, honestly, to, when you think about it, that FSU won a national championship as recently as 2013. And in 2014, they went back to the um, college football playoff as one of the top four teams in the country. And just five years later, they're, I believe, what, they won four games? They're four and five right now. Yeah, they're so at risk to not make a bowl game, I think, which yeah, they've got the longest streak, I know. <laughs> well, that, that streak was snapped uh, last year. But, yeah, you're, you're right. They had, like, 38 games or 38 years in a row with a bowl game. Oh, I thought, they that, went, I thought they'd still gone to a bowl last year. But. Um, Last year they didn't. They were, like, they had a losing record. Um, but the year before, when Jimbo left, they went to the, I think it was like the, the walk-on, like Independence Bowl or something like that. Yeah. One of those like bowls that like ESPN just invented. Yeah, yeah, um, I see this. Yeah, 2017. Wow. That's, they're really at a <laughs> low point for that program. Um, they had all those great years with Bobby Bowden, obviously. Jimbo Fisher did a good job until really that season he left. That was kind of a down year. And then to kind of bail on the team right there that kind of I think to me is what's really set this program back um kind of a proud tradition there uh they're a big time destination for uh Florida high school football stars which Florida along with Texas probably the best um like recruiting grounds in the country so normally if you're a powerhouse in the state you should have no problem feeling a talented team maybe not a national championship every year, but there's no reason why 
a team like FSU should be, you know, only winning four or five games a year with the talent in the state. So it's, there's definitely, you know, something is wrong with your program when, you know, you're able to pull four star, five star recruits, um, keep them at home in their, you know, their home state. There's so much like talent in this area that even if you only get, you know, whatever, 25% of it to come to FSU, like, you're gonna, you should have a great team. So what, what I'm pointing to, and obviously I'm not, you know, an FSU insider. I don't, you know, I'm not in that <laughs> locker room or anything. But just as an outsider's perspective, I think FSU has a big uh, culture problem right now. I got some stats, uh, just kind of um, from ESPN. Uh, just a couple little nuggets here, but. This season, they're averaging 8.9 penalties per game, which ranks 126th in all of college football, which it's um, the ranking they had was like um, the least penalties to be ranked number one. So 126th, there's only like five, I think five teams. There's like 131 teams in D1 right yeah. now. So yeah. it's only five teams to get more penalties per game than FSU, which just shows they're undisciplined. They're getting unsportsmanlike like conduct penalties or fighting. They're um, they've had you know they've lined up for punts incorrectly, gotten five yard penalties there, which that's just stuff that really should not be an issue in any level of uh, college football. That's like just showing up to your meetings, showing up to practice and focusing. You know, if you can't execute a punt right, that's you know that's really a low point. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's really something wrong there. And then, in addition, they've blown five fourth quarter leads this season. They've been outscored 99 to 55 in the fourth quarter, which also shows a lack of possibly lack of conditioning. You get to that stage in the game, guys are getting tired. They're not making the right tackles. They're not, um, you know, maybe remembering their routes, stuff like that. When fatigue sets in, so that's a possibility. Which again is. You know, you're not going hard enough to, in the weight room. Maybe the coaching uh, isn't doing a good enough job with conditioning, something like that. Or they're just not, again, they're not disciplined. They're not uh, finishing the game out. Um, you saw they almost blew a lead to uh, Louisiana Monroe. Mm-hmm. Uh, they beat them 45-44 to 44 in overtime, which, again, you know, they were paid probably over a million dollars <laughs> to come to Tallahassee to get beat and if you can barely beat a team like that you know you really shouldn't be uh that's really like I'm trying to think like the words here like a low point or yeah like if you're you want to be a top three team in the state you know consider yourself one of the big three like you have to be you can't be like barely winning games like that you have to be beating the teams you're supposed to beat and um, just being overly more like overall more competitive, which FSU has not done in the last two years. And personally, I'm kind of sympathetic to Willie Taggart. I mean, he inherited a bad situation. Um, I don't think a lot of these culture problems are his fault. I mean, I think they're kind of starting to arise uh, during Jimbo's last season in Tallahassee, and then for him to leave the program like that. Um, you know, I don't. I think it was a little bit quick. Uh, for Willie Taggart to um, kind of try and turn the program around. It was in such a bad state when he got there. And, you know, we didn't really get a chance to recruit all of his guys in. Maybe 
um, don't really know the whole situation. So I'm a little bit sympathetic to his um, situation here. But um, I mean, I think it's pretty clear that FSU wasn't going to do anything this year. So I guess there's not really any harm in firing him and trying to um, get going on your head coaching search, which kind of brings me to the next topic. Where does FSU go from here? Um, obviously, they got to find a new head coach. So there's been a few um, like potential uh, names that I've heard in the past week. The biggest one is Bob Stoops, former head coach of Oklahoma. He retired a couple of years back. There, right now, I believe he was in t- um, going to be one of the head coaches slash general managers for one of the XFL teams. Yeah, he is. Uh, whichever team it was, it's kind of escaping me right now. I think Dallas uh, Renegades. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right, the Dallas team. Um, Either them or Houston, I think. Yeah, yeah, one of those one of those Texas teams. I'm sure it's kind of like his geographical area. Um, would be a good fit, but obviously, head coach of Florida State Seminoles would probably be a better paying, obviously more prestigious job, I would imagine. So I don't think if FSU came calling, you know, they probably would not have shouldn't have too hard of a time getting him back into the game. I think that would that would be a pretty solid hire, obviously the big name that the boosters and the fans would like to see. He had good success at Oklahoma. Um that team always had good offenses while he was there. And he's still only fifty nine. A lot of people have brought up his age, you know, just because he's retired, which, you know, generally kind of indicates maybe the guy's not really interested in coaching anymore, but uh the fact that he's been with the XFL lately. Um, he's still younger than a lot of guys like Nick Saban. Um, some of those guys are at least five or six years older than him. So he's got some more gas in the tank. Sounds like he would be open to coaching again. I don't know if specifically if FSU, if he would be open to that, but obviously they would uh, like to pay him. They'd, they'd have the money to pay him, hopefully. The other name I've heard is Lane Kiffin. I don't know how serious they're going to pursue him. Um, that's just a name I've heard kind of floated around uh, some media outlets as a rumor. He's obviously been doing some pretty good things with another in-state school in, in FAU. Obviously, it should be a little bit easier to recruit guys to uh, FSU instead of Florida Atlantic. There's a pretty big uh, jump in those programs. So I think... I think Kiffin obviously would like to do it. He'd like to get back to a big name school. He's kind of, he's definitely one of those guys who enjoys the status and kind of like, you know, the <laughs> attention, whatever that comes with coaching a big time program. You know, you've seen how he is on social media, um, likes to kind of stir the pot a little bit. So I think he would jump at the chance to uh, go coach FSU if he were offered. I don't know how seriously the, FSU administration is going to take that. But, um, yeah, Kiffin and Stoops, probably the two biggest names I've seen on Twitter. If I was an FSU fan, I'd obviously like to see Stoops more than Kiffin just because he has a better track record. Um, those are probably the two biggest names. And then outside of those guys, um, I'm sure FSU will do their due, due diligence on some uh, group of five coaches. Uh such as like Mike Norvell, 
from Memphis. He's been a pretty popular name for many of the head coaching vacancies uh, this season and uh, this past offseason. So I'm sure he'll get a look. Uh, Brett Venables, the defensive coordinator for Clemson, who knows if he would leave if he wants to be a head coach, if he would leave Clemson. Obviously, he's got a great uh, gig going there as a defensive coordinator um, for a team that's always uh, seeming to produce a top-10 defense. Um, but I'm sure they'll take a look at him as yeah. well. Um, uh, if, if I could just interrupt oh, yeah. you real quick here. I I just took away Stoops' picture because uh, a couple hours ago, there was Stoops made a comment about this, and so oh, really? FSU said that Stoops was on their coaching list, but Stoops just said that he's not going to coach at FSU, so he said he's not on their list. Like he, So that's honestly kind of an embarrassing look when a team says, like, He's on our list of candidates, and then he just flat out says, I'm not going to coach there. So, And then also Urban Meyer's done the same. So Urban Meyer's not going to be coaching at FSU. Yeah. Um, so it's one of those pie-in-the-sky, I think, things there. So Yeah, so... <laughs> Narrowing the list. <laughs> no, good, for, good to... Glad you pointed it out, because I didn't yeah. miss that earlier. Um so yeah, it's, it's going to be, I think it's, a lot of people, when I heard the Bob Stoops thing, I was people were saying it could be announced as early as this weekend, which I did not believe. Um, that seems like a very fast turnaround. I think whoever FSU ends up hiring is, is going to be probably at least, a, at least a few weeks, probably around the end of the season, I would imagine, um, just because you kind of got to go through candidates, kind of really... I think the big thing for FSU is this this head coaching hire is going to be a huge um, moment for the FSU program. I think personally, this, whoever they hire could make or break um, the situation at FSU, at least for the next uh, decade, just because um, when you look at what they're paying for Willie Taggart's buyout, he's going to be owed $17 million, which is you know, the, the uh, remainder of his contract. <laughs> Which that's the second highest buyout ever behind uh, Charlie Weiss's 19 million from Notre Dame. So that, that's just an absurd amount of money to pay a guy who's not gonna be your coach for the next whatever it is, I think four years or I believe there's four years left on this contract, something like that. But yeah. Kind of, you know what I mean? That's a lot of money to pay someone that's not even your coach. <laughs> and now, obviously, your FSU, you want to attract a big name. They're gonna demand. Uh, a big contract as well. So you can't, if you're FSU, you can't afford to be in the situation again two years from now. You literally you can't afford <laughs> to buy out another coach. You know, whoever you got, you they pretty much got, you know, until he's fired. And, I mean, until he's, you know, through that contract, unless something comes up and they can fire him with cause and not have to pay yeah, out the rest of the balance. Something like that. He's got to do something illegal, like <laughs> yeah, or like a recruiting violation, yeah, or something yeah. like that. Which obviously you don't, you're not really hoping for that either. It's, you know, you want a guy <laughs> who's gonna come in and win games. Um, so yeah, if, if if FSU gets stuck with another stinker at head coach who's not winning enough games, that's they're gonna be in a tough spot for some years. So I I think they're really gonna have to proceed with this search pretty well, pretty like do their due diligence on every coach. And not just make it like the splashiest like big name hire because 
you know, if they went with a guy like Kiffin, like you can't afford to fire him in three years if he doesn't perform. So it's, I think it's going to be really interesting for FSU here because um, their program's already um, pretty close to rock bottom right now, you know, for a major school like that. And I don't know how much worse they could get, but they're certainly not going to get better anytime soon if they mess up this head coaching search. So they got to find a guy who can come in there and change the culture around, um, kind of focus on that stuff first, recruit a couple of good classes, and then um, hopefully the results will come on the field. I don't think, I think FSU definitely like, it should be an easy, not an easy turnaround, but you know what I mean? Like they've got the means and the resources to turn this around. They just got to go out there and find their guy and uh, get some things switched up here. Yeah, so I'll I'll talk a, briefly here about this situation. So, uh, to me, it's kind of crazy that Tagger isn't having good success here because, uh, you know, he was really known for being the coach at USF, which is where I go to school now. And, you know, he had two really good seasons at USF where the school was, like, ranked in the top 25, like, winning their bowl games and such. And he became like the big, you know, the big name from a small school uh, that could go to a big school and turn it around. And he tried that at Oregon for one year, and then he left Oregon for FSU. So it was like, boom, boom, boom. He's moving all over the place, you know, going from Tampa to Eugene to Tallahassee. Like, it just seems like he's been on the move too much to like really establish a recruiting base you know a group of players that have like grown up together and become like seniors like uh like quint flowers had done at usf to lead them to a good season but and also too coming back to florida a lot of people thought it was going to be a good thing since that's where he you know made his name at usf he'd be back in his like his home state but it's it's shocking that he hasn't performed well at all and hasn't been able to at least have FSU be like 500 in conference play. Um, so I, I kind of, I'm kind of curious, like what's going to, what's going to happen with him? Like, uh, honestly, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be, uh, upset if he came back to USF and they got rid of Charlie strong. Uh, <laughs> so that oh, things might come full circle around, but, uh, I, I did look up some of the most likely candidates for head coach. So some other names that uh, to to think about that could be possibilities. Matt Campbell at Iowa State. Um, it would have to be a sizable buyout though, because uh, it's going to be a lot of money to lure him in, and I like that's a big money that they're seventeen million. That's insane that a university has to pay a head coach. <laughs> Uh, that's really insane. So, and then another, actually, <laughs> you kind of got the wrong Stoops here because I see Mark Stoops is on this list from Kentucky who uh, who could leave to go to FSU because obviously he's had success at Kentucky, which is hard to do. Uh, and then another name, PJ Fleck, but you can rule him out because he just re-signed uh, Michigan, uh, Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, but the one that's interesting to me is Brent uh, Venables at Clemson, the defensive coordinator there. He's, you know, been a huge part of Clemson's success. 
I just don't know if he'd be willing to leave Clemson to, you know, I, he's got a nice gig there right now as their defensive coordinator, but that I think is who they should be targeting because he seems like a solid coach to me. Uh, and then also in the process, you're weakening Clemson. So you're taking out your biggest rival in your conference you're, you know, you're damaging them a little bit, and you're getting their guys, your head coach. So, I mean, it doesn't instantly make them favorites to beat Clemson or anything, but at least you gain a an advantage on them. So that'll be interesting to see what happens. And then the Memphis coach, Mike uh, Norville, he'd be interesting too. Some yeah. other American coaches coming up. But, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see, uh, see what FSU does here. Uh, but if I'll tell you this, though. If they get this one wrong, I think they're in for a a real, like, recession, so to say. Because, like, I mean, we've seen top programs, uh, you know, that are historically good, you know, going to decline. Like, can you imagine if they, like, become, like, the new Tennessee, where they go from, like, you know, like a 10-year stretch of mediocrity? Um, Or Nebraska, even Texas for a while was down. Um, Nebraska was another team. Miami, I think they've been having more yeah. success recently, but they were they had a, a dark period as well. So USC, I think you know they they could be the next one of those teams that uh, Penn State for a while went dark. I you know if they don't get this turned around soon, I think they're going to be the next dark team, you know powerhouse team that that falls off the map. So we'll we'll see what happens, but. I, you know, I I have no personal uh, connections to FSU, so I can't say like I'm rooting too hard for them to turn it around. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we'll move on here to our final topic, uh, which is college basketball. So uh, I want to talk about. You'll see some pictures coming up, and they're just gonna be what I talk about for college basketball. So. The Florida Gators here is the first picture you see. Their team, obviously, they landed Kerry Blackshear. That was the guy that, you know, we spent so much time talking about the rumors and stuff. And they got him on their team. They've also got a really good coach, I think. And I like, I just really like this Florida team. I'm picking them to win the SEC over Kentucky, which might be a little bit controversial, but. To me, Kentucky is just, they, like, they'll win a lot of games, but they're not going to, I just, there's just something about Kentucky that I'm just not feeling good about this year. I can't really explain it, but they're ranked number two, but they are always a team of freshmen, and Florida's not going to be a team of freshmen. They've got, they've got guys who have gone through struggles before, uh, but they also have won tournament games before, too. So Florida's my pick to win the SEC. I don't think most people have them. I think most would have Kentucky. But I think Florida's a more complete team overall. And then the other picture here you see on the screen is of Cole Anthony of North Carolina. He's going to be their new freshman point guard. And I also have North Carolina winning the ACC, which most people would probably have Duke, but I... That one might be more split, half and half. But I I really expect a lot from Cole Anthony. 
I think he's going to be the best point guard in the country this year. I think he's going to be a real high draft pick after this season. I think he's the real deal. And I think he's going to get North Carolina a lot of wins. I think he's going to lead them to winning the conference. So he's my guy that I'm really high on this year. Uh, I'm also really high on Blackshear and the Gators, but these are two teams that are definitely Final Four capabilities. Um, over here you see Cassius Winston for Michigan State. Michigan State's my pick to win the Big Ten, uh, but I also would have to pick them to win the national championship just because they've got the experience uh, senior point guard here, probably the best college basketball player, uh, you know, as a senior and stuff. So he's, you know, I'm, I'm watching the screen right now. Last season, 291 assists. He That's a Big Ten season record. He's only one of three Division One players with 18-plus points per game, seven-plus rebounds, or seven-plus assists per game, and 35% from the three-point line. Those are some really good stats. He's going to be their leader on their team, and it's going to be tough, uh, I think, in that conference. But still, I if I had to pick one team, I mean, they are ranked number one, so it's not like a crazy thing to say that they're going to win the national championship, but they're my preseason picks too. I actually picked them last year to – I can't remember if I picked them to win the champion. No, I didn't. I picked Tennessee, of course, to win the championship last year, but I picked them to – get to the championship and they they came pretty close they made it to the final four they had beaten duke which a lot of people didn't think they would be able to do i actually thought they would so i'm i'm high in michigan state but i i do think that they you know they're not going to go undefeated or anything like that they're going to lose the game or two but uh, i'm i think the bet i think that they're going to have the best season overall and then and team here on the right, you see, like, the this got me cracking up when I saw it for the first time. Like, really? And this is kind of, <laughs> this, this I think embodies the problem with this team, this Memphis basketball team here. Uh, obviously, they have got, like, what the best uh, recruiting class from this last year. And everybody's all hyped up about James Weissman and Penny Hardaway, their coach, and and all these guys, R.J. Hampton, like, all these guys on their team, oh, Memphis, Memphis, Memphis. But, and then you see this movie poster here, like, they're trying to be, like, the Avengers or something of Memphis basketball. Like, it just, to me, is all a bunch of gimmicks and stuff. I'm not going to believe it till I see it. I think Memphis is really overrated. I don't have them winning the American. I've got Houston winning the American. They'll make the tournament, obviously, but I, the thing about Memphis last year that really stood out to me is they could not win road games uh, for whatever reason they didn't get excited for them or enough or they didn't have the energy uh, the coach didn't inspire them and I, I'm just you know I'm a Tennessee fan so I have no liking for Memphis at all but you know Penny Hardaway <laughs> he's the biggest joke I think there is. Uh, this might be controversial. <laughs> but now last year in the Tennessee-Memphis game, uh, Tennessee was winning the game, and they won pretty easily by like 10 or 12 points, I think. But anyways, in the game, there was a lot of like chippiness going on and stuff, but 
you could see that there was a lot of times where Memphis players were clear out flopping. And you look back at some of the replays of that game and they're just like, guys are just like falling down on Memphis and they're not even like, they're barely being touched, but they're falling down and getting fouls called. And then that actually prompted Tennessee's coach, Rick Barnes to speak out about that in the post game. And Barnes is the kind of guy that like, He's like the, you know, most conservative, like, you know, like type of coach that there is. Like, he's all business. He's like, he's never going to call out another team. You know, he never, I've never heard him do that before. He always like, whenever he talks about another team, he's always like, oh, they've got great coaches. They've got great players. He always talks about everybody in a good way. So the fact that he called out, Hardaway's team for flopping, you know, it was a lot. Like, that spoke volumes to me. And then Hardaway actually came back and said, like, oh, Tennessee's players have, like, clenched fists trying to, like, rush our team. But, like, you watch the replay when that incident happened. Like, yeah, the bench got up and everything, but they didn't have, like, clenched fists or anything. He was just making that up. And I think he got exposed for that, for lying, really. And that's going to really add to the rivalry between Memphis and Tennessee, which last year they played in Memphis. So this year they've got them in Tennessee in in Knoxville. So I, I, I'm excited for that game. I can't wait to watch that. It's going to be so chippy. It's going to be so, you know, <laughs> it's going to, you know, these two teams hate each other. So uh, it's going to be interesting. And Memphis, though, has a lot of guys that weren't there for that game last year, though. So. That whereas Tennessee's still got like they've still got some seniors on their team, uh, but they do have a lot of new faces. But still, uh, and then the Hardaway Barnes rivalry too. Like that's that's just an interesting rivalry. Uh, but I I think Memphis is all talk when it comes down to it. I think they're all talk, and I I de- I don't think that they're gonna. I think they'll be okay, but they're not gonna like surprise you or you know, make it to the final four or anything crazy like that. Um, and then <laughs> this is actually kind of a coincidence here because it has two meanings. So I've got a picture of the SEC logo and I've got the number seven. So I'll talk about the original meaning. So the original meaning I thought was going to be the SEC and how deep the conference is. Uh, there's a lot of teams in the SEC that can make the tournament and, there's Florida and Kentucky at the top, but don't count out Auburn, don't count out Tennessee, LSU, those second-tier teams. They're still really good, and they're still probably going to be tournament teams. So I actually think the SEC is going to be the conference that sends the most teams to the tournament. Uh, the SEC basketball is at really a high point right now, and it's, you know, being a fan of, this is the conference I mainly watch. I'm, I'm excited for it because really, apart from Vanderbilt, like, you know, Vanderbilt did so bad last year, they didn't win any games. Like, I'm not sure how much better they're supposed to be, but any team can win any given week. Like, you know, you can see Alabama upset Kentucky, or you can see Missouri, like, beat Florida, or Georgia beat Auburn. Like, there's so many, you know... Good. There's gonna be so many good games to watch from this conference when they start playing conference play, so I'm I'm really excited for that. 
uh, probably the most this is what I'm most excited for for college basketball is the SEC regular season and see how that shapes out. And I put the number seven here because originally I was going to predict that a seven seed or higher is going to make the final four because I don't think that this college basketball season is too top heavy. Uh, there's definitely some top teams, but there's not, I, I think that there's going to be a seven seed or above to make the final four last year. You didn't see this because a lot of, it was a lot of chalk last year with like teams ranked one through four, you know, all being in the elite eight basically. So uh, I, that's like, that's, that's going to be my like kind of bold prediction, I guess, is that a, a seven seed or better. I, I can't name you which team it's going to be, but that's just uh, my prediction for that. And then, my coincidence when I was looking back at this is, you know, I'm going to predict seven teams from the SEC make the tournament. So Florida, Kentucky, Auburn, Tennessee, LSU. I think that's the clear five. I think most people would have those five in, but the two else I'm going to put in, I'm going to put in Georgia and I'm going to put in Alabama. Mississippi state too is really hard. You know, Ole Miss and Miss, it could even be more than seven. Like honestly, it's just going to be interesting to see which of those teams ends up, you know, beating out the others. But it's such a deep conference. Like, Georgia's actually going to be better than they were last year. Mississippi State's still pretty good. Ole Miss, you know, is was a team nobody thought was going to be good last year, but they were pretty solid. So, and Alabama's got a new head coach. A lot of people think highly of them. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be a lot of fun. Missouri's still around. I mean, they didn't have a great year. South Carolina a couple of years ago, you know, made the Final Four push. They've got a great coach. Um, it's just going to be a lot of fun, I think. Uh, and, yeah, so that's that's my coincidence with the seven in the SEC. Uh, but I'll let Nate talk about any of these. Is there anything here, Nate, you want to talk about these pictures, or do you have your own stuff to, to talk about? Um... Not, not too much beyond kind of what you're saying. Um, I think I'm a little bit out of all these pictures. I mostly agree. I don't. I personally don't follow basketball too closely. I definitely love college basketball. Love watching it, but I don't know like as much about each team as I do, you know, with college football or NFL. But um, so I think most of what you said, I pretty much agree with. The only thing I would differ on is the Memphis. Uh, deal. I'm I'm kind of I'm really interested to see Memphis this year. Um, I don't I don't disagree that it might be overrated, but uh, as I go to UCF, um, so we play them this year at least once at home. So I'm excited for that game just to kind of get to see them firsthand, uh, and see how they look. But I think this team, I'm pretty excited just to see like where they can go with all this potential. Uh, the Americans definitely is solid. Gonna be a strong basketball conference yeah, this year. I think yeah. that'll help them get some more uh, kind of recognition. Hopefully, if, um, not that I'm rooting for Memphis, but if they do um, go out and play like a lot of people think they will, having a uh, top 15 team, maybe top 10 team uh, for most of the year should help the conference, especially if Houston and Cincinnati play good like usual. Uh, UCF got some question marks, but. Um, they're definitely got the chance to um, 
hopefully pushed for a uh, tournament bid again. So I'm I don't have too much like insights wise, you know. But I'm just I'm excited for college basketball to be back. I'm I like that. I'm more of a college basketball fan than NBA, so I'm just excited to have some good hoops to watch. Yeah, same man. Like I definitely. I feel like I might know more about the NBA than college basketball, but I agree with you. Like I, if I were, if you give me an option of an NBA game or a top twenty-five college game, I'm gonna watch the college game most times uh, because Absolutely. it's it's more pure, I think, than NBA. It's like it's just NBA. I mean, obviously, there's so much more talented, but it's. I mean, you've got the whole school spirit and stuff going on. You don't really see that at all with NBA games. Like almost honestly, like unless you're at the game, like really from the TV version, like there's nothing about the crowd that stands out to you when you watch a game in the NBA. Whereas like in college, you've got the bands, you got the mascots on the court, um, you you know you got all the supporting players and stuff. The role, like the bench warmers on the team, like all getting hyped up and everything. You don't see that in the NBA as much. And every in the games mean more too since it's a it's a shorter season and there's you know this is like November and December basically going to be the the less desirable parts of the season to watch because it's a lot of cupcakes but at the very beginning of the season at least there are a lot of good matchups like uh, tonight you know Duke beat uh, Kansas and Kentucky and Michigan State are playing as we speak right now so those are the top four teams right now playing each other. So it's great that you get that going on, but I mean, that's not going to happen every week And November, December is going to be the, it's going to be good to see the battles between the conferences and stuff because, you know, you mostly play non-conference games, but when we get to January, February, and then really March, that's when we're going to get to see the conference games and see which teams are legit and it's, you know, conference tournaments are a lot of fun, too. Like, as fun as the NCAA tournament is, like, the conference tournaments almost are a much more, like, realistic goal for teams to win because you don't have to win as many games to win your conference. So that kind of gives every team a shot. I, I think that's such a cool thing about college basketball is, like, even if you lose every game in the regular season – you still have a chance to make the tournament if you win your regular, if you win your conference tournament. Like, um, that would never happen, but like, still, there's the shot. You know, everybody's playing meaningful basketball, um, and even if you if you are a lock, you play for seeding. It, it's just a lot more fun to watch. Um, but maybe I'll put up a Twitter poll one of these days to see on Twitter what people like more. But I've got a feeling people are going to say NBA because. Most of my followers are like NBA Twitter people, so they're probably gonna say NBA. But personally, give me college, and and honestly too, I've got you know Tennessee and USF to root for, which are interesting teams. Uh, so and they're good teams too, I think. So it's gonna be fun to watch. And yeah, I've I've got some good teams to watch. Nate, you've got UCF. They're they're probably still gonna be good. They're gonna be fighting for a bid. So yeah, you're gonna you're gonna have some good games to go to, as am I. Um, that's something too that like I'm really excited for is going to watch these games uh, in person, you know, for your school. Um, my goal is to go to ev- at least every conference game 
I didn't go to the one tonight, I, but it was Arkansas Pine Bluff, so like you know, I didn't really need to go to that. But yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm definitely gonna be going to those games, and we might be readjusting uh, the scheduling for these podcasts because uh, due to the games uh, to go and watch and stuff. I, this is something that we're gonna be talking about more and more as the season goes along. But this is just the overall preview of college basketball right here. Very simple. But just some takeaways from some teams, teams I like, some teams I don't like. So <laughs> I, I will say, though, I might be a little bit biased being a Tennessee fan that I said Memphis is going to be bad and Kentucky's not going to win the SEC. Not, you know, I'm not going to claim that there's no bias going on there, but still, that's what makes this game fun is the rivalries, um, too. That's another thing I didn't even mention. Like, the rivalries between these teams is so deep, so historical. Mm-hmm. You know, the NBA is hard to get true rivals and stuff. So, yeah, it's it's going to be good, man. I'm excited for it. Let's let's go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so that, that concludes our podcast for the day, guys. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Make sure to uh, subscribe if you aren't already to one of our sites. Get a friend to subscribe, too, if you really like this. Uh, we would really appreciate that. And hopefully you guys have a great rest of your day. For Eric. Peace.